Hello, welcome to Lifehouse Church Podcast. It's so good you've joined us today. This message is delivered by Pastor Paul Hollingworth. Please sit back, enjoy, listen to what's said. For any more information about Lifehouse Church, please visit our website, www.lifehousechurch.co.uk or head over to one of our social media pages. You'll find us at Lifehouse 12. Enjoy the message and we'll see you soon. Anybody thankful there's a future in Jesus Christ? Anybody thankful there's a future in Jesus Christ? It's not everything that you see around you. It's what God is doing behind the scenes. He's a miracle working God. And for every individual in this building online that is watching this and wondering about your future, I want to stand here today to proclaim to you that in Jesus Christ, you do have a future. And uh, it goes far beyond this life. It goes for eternity and forevermore. And that is why we're really keen as a church to ensure that we, every Sunday, with exuberance, with energy, we put Jesus right at the forefront of your view. It's important to know that there is a future in Jesus Christ. Thanks for Sire the band for leading us so well today. Well, we're going to open the Word of God together. We are looking really a series that we pretty much every year we emphasize the fact that we're going to talk about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's it's something that's part of the the diary. It's not something that you think, well, we've talked about this before. No, we intentionally speak every year about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And this whole series about God being overall, I think, is more pivotal than probably what I give it justice for as as, as a series. It's probably the most key series that we do throughout the year. Um, through the many different topics, we can talk about vision, we can talk about relationships, we can talk about finance, we can talk about many, many different things. But actually to understand that God, his position in our life is to be overall, is probably one of the most significant things that you will ever hear that is crucial to your everyday life. That's why we're going to endeavor to talk about it. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I got... um, we got invited somewhere and we went along and maybe just like you, I walked into the room and we were about to have food. So we went and sat at the table, went and sat at this table and it was a nice table and these ladies started to walk into the room and some guys, they walked into the room and they said, we're just going to start putting your food out on the table. So we were like, oh, this is, a, this is, pretty, this is pretty nice. It's more than what we expected. And they started to put a whole... A huge amount of food on this table. We were like, wow, we're going to be here a long time if we're going to eat all this. Um, and we're just in this court in this moment where we were sat there. And we were just enjoying the moment. And then the lady comes into the room and she says, but first, before you begin anything, I'm just going to bring you some fresh bread. How many of you know that is a sign that Jesus is alive when fresh bread enters the room? And, and you, you pick one of the rolls up and it's warm and then there's butter there as well. And she put all this food out. And so we, we sat there and we were like, oh, let's just not wait any longer. It's fresh, it's warm. And we, we, we cut into the, the pieces of bread and we put some butter on the bread. And we sat there and we start eating this bread. We got really comfortable to the point we started to take jackets off. And, you know, we were having a drink and just sat relaxing, just enjoying ourselves whilst eating the bread. And then all of a sudden, at the door, while sat there enjoying the moment, these two big burly blokes, and if you're from Derbyshire, you know what I'm talking about with blokes, these two big burly blokes 
walk into the room, they look at us, and they say words to this effect. They say, we weren't expecting you to be in here. What are you doing in here? They said it with a straight face. They said it looking a little bit concerned about what was happening. And we were like, well, we've been led into this room. We've been invited into this room. And they were like, no, I think you'll find this is our room. They looked around the room and saw that we'd been eating the food that they are now declaring is their table. The reality was this. You can be in the right venue, but in the wrong position. What we found out in that moment was we were sat eating food that we were told to eat, but it actually wasn't our food. We were in the right place, but the wrong position. Let me keep your attention and put it like this. Knowing your position in life as a Christian, as a man, as a woman of God is really important. It is crucial. It is crucial to know that we are children of God. Six of us think it's crucial. It is crucial to be, know and understand that our position is that we are a child of God. It is important to know that as Christian men and women, no matter what your age is, it is important as a biblical principle to honor our parents. It is important to know that if you're in a marriage relationship, that you are called to submit to your husband or wife. I know some people like to get caught up in that and say, well, no, it's just about what is one way. No, the Bible clearly says that our position in a marriage is to submit to one another. There should never be a ruling figure. Argue with me about it later. We are called to have a position in life that is to serve our master or our boss at work. It is part of life. It's part of what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches us to respect authority. But I really believe this, that we can find ourselves in what appears to be the right places, but find ourselves with the wrong position. Just recently, just recently, and I'll be very brief about this, I guess. I found myself sat at a table that I knew full well I was sat in the wrong position. I'm not on about a physical table. I'm on about a spiritual battle that each and every one of us will face at times where you know full well you may be in the right place but the wrong position. I was sat at a table where fear, and we're going to speak clearly today about fear, because this is a Christian church, and it's a church that loves God, and you hear the exuberant praise of Jesus, but I know this, that fear still exists. There is no absence of fear in the Christian's life. It's just the acknowledging of a superior power that is above the fear. And I found myself, and it's a personal story, and you know, very often I'll share the personal stories. I don't think the personal story will be too helpful in this moment. But all I want you to understand is that I was sat at table and I began to entertain something in my world that was never destined for my life. That God's plans and God's purpose and scripture would teach and I know that Jesus would definitely not sit at that table. But I was sat there. I sat there and I started to enjoy the food of that table as fear swept in. And fear, if God is overall, then I do believe this, that God needs to be over our fears as well. I think the real, the real, real key to this topic, though, is as I've said that we have many positions in life and we understand that we're children of God. But I feel the real key is this, is actually knowing 
God's position in your life. We so often focus about our position, but actually, what is Father God, Jesus Christ's position in your life? It's a lordship issue. Philippians 2 verse 9 to 10 tells us that God exalted Jesus to the highest place and he gave him, he gave him the name that is above every name. He gave Jesus Christ, come on church, he gave Jesus Christ is a name that is above every name of every table that you could ever sit at, a table of shame, a table of sin, a table of whatever it may be, a table of fear. Jesus Christ has the name that is above every, every name. You see, our response to that question, Philippians 2 verse 9, and it's a Sunday morning, and I've gone to church, and I'm hearing the word of God, and I've heard that scripture before, but I really do firmly believe this today as a benchmark day for each and every one of us in our lives. Our response to Philippians 2 verse 9 is where the battles are won, and it's where they're lost. It's where your battle will be won, and it's where it'll be lost. It's where it'll be won in the mind and where it will be lost in the mind. In the, in the physical, it's the battles that we'll win and the battles that we'll lose. Is the fact that Jesus Christ, the name that we serve, the name we praise, and I love the hops and I love the jumps and I love the energy of worship, but if that's all it ever is, if it is a, a worship set, but it... It's something that penetrates our souls and, and we begin to understand that Jesus Christ, the name that we've sang today, is the name that is above every circumstance in our lives. It does say this in verse 10 that it says this following on Philippians 2 verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, Christians love to speak this verse, that at the name of Jesus, every knee now, the version that I've been reading says this, every knee should bow. There's the battle. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee has the opportunity. Every knee has, in the midst of battle, the opportunity to decide that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is an earthly choice, but I'll tell you this, with a conviction in my heart and a plea to you. It's an earthly choice, but it also is an eternal, it will be one day an eternal obligation for every single human being that has walked this earth. One day they will be asked to bow the knee to Jesus. Uh, you call it judgment day, you can cut and you're like, wow, we're talking about the future now. But there's a day coming where no longer will it be an earthly choice. It will actually be an eternal obligation. For everybody. Nobody's too clever to avoid it. There's going to come a day where we'll be asked to bow the knee to the name that is above every other name. See, it's an earthly decision to elevate, to exalt the name of Jesus. And it's what changes, this is what changes our position. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. Hindsight is wonderful. But on the other side of the grave... Hindsight's not really going to work. Hindsight's a beautiful thing that I can look back. Oh, on this side, we have an obligation on the other side. On this side, it's our earthly choice. Eternity will see it as an obligation. This is what I do believe. 
I do believe this, and I'm trying to illustrate this to help each and every one of us. There are tables that we have sat at or sit at currently, circumstances that declare to us this is where we're destined to sit. Fear will try to keep you at the table. But I want to declare to each and every one of us today that through Jesus Christ, we have the upper hand. Jesus Christ has a seat that maybe feels like I need to entertain it over here. But Jesus has a place prepared for me. That he promised this in Psalm 23 verse 5. He actually declares this. I've got a seat for you in the presence of your enemies. I've got a seat for you. There's a seat for you that you don't have to no longer sit at the seat of fear. But there's a seat in the presence of your enemies. Psalm 23 verse 5. Read it clearly. I've sat in the presence recently of some of my worst enemies. It's just ironic that this week we were destined in the, in the structure of things to speak about fear. And I've sat in the presence of my enemies, but I've had to do this. There came a day where I had to do this and I had to stand up from the seat that I felt restricted to and I felt bound to, to listen to fear and to listen to fear's lies and to listen to fear's manipulations. I had to physically move my seat and say, no, Jesus, you've prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And even though the food was great at the table, and even though everything looked plush and great, I was in the right place, but just the wrong position. I hope this makes sense. I hope it sits with you and stirs you a little bit, that we can easily be in the right places. You can be in church today. You can be in church today, and what a beautiful place it is to be. How amazing it is to gather together and be in that atmosphere of praise and worship. You can be in the right place and still entertain sitting at the same table that you came in. So true. You know, the people that you surround yourself with, you know, we'll all post about it on social media. We'll all try and encourage you. The people you surround yourself with is so important, but ultimately... The truth that you invest into yourself and the declaration you make in alignment with God's word is key to living with the upper hand. I do believe this about the Christian faith and it sounds very boastful, but I do believe this for the Christian man and woman that makes Jesus Christ Lord over everything. Your seated position gives you, gives you today in Jesus' name, gives you today, in Jesus' name, over that sickness, over that addiction, over that thing that you can't shake off, over that fear, over that anxiety, in Jesus' name, it gives you the upper hand. It gives you the upper hand. No longer does it rule you, but you rule over it. I'm sure somebody wants to say a louder amen. <laughs> Come on. Finance should never be allowed to have the upper hand in our lives. Someone in our life, and I'm speaking to maybe help people that find themselves restricted by someone that actually puts maybe fear into your world. Someone in our life should never be allowed, in my opinion, through scripture, someone should never be allowed to have the, what appears to be the upper hand the controlling behavior in a relationship. If you're in a relationship where it's controlled, I want to tell you this today. It may feel like you have to sit in that position 
and it may feel difficult physically to navigate it. But I want to tell you this today, and to put confidence and faith within you, that Jesus has a seat for you, which all he will guide you. It is okay to not be okay. But listen, God will always lead us to a spacious place. Controlling behavior is not God's destiny for your life. Sickness does not have to have the final word in our lives because Jesus has the upper, upper hand. Addiction is shouting to be the loudest voice in your life, but it has to be given permission to have the upper hand. It has to be given permission. And I'll point it out to you from Scripture in a second. It has to be given permission. And anxiety is strong, and I know it just as well as what you do. But it cannot overpower truth. It'll tell you, stay there. Stay where you are. Live with it, deal with it. This is who you are, and this is all you will ever be. I'm telling you. I've read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he's going to lead me. And he's prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My enemies. I think we should pick on some enemies in this world. The upper hand over fear and anxiety was won by Jesus at the cross. It's not just some sort of inspirational message today. This is not a group to hopefully help you feel better. This is what it, 2 Timothy 1 verse 10 says. It says, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has, if the words are on the screen, you enjoy this moment, who has, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death. Who has part dealt with or did a deal with? No, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel? It's called the upper hand. So important that we don't find ourselves just in the right place but in the wrong position. It's a power switch. I believe today in church, it sounds like some sort of business forum, but I believe today there's a power switch in Lifehouse Church. There's going to be a power switch, a power transa transaction that takes some people today from a seat of fear to a seat where they'll sit in the presence of their enemies and pronounce that Jesus is Lord and he's not just Lord, but he's Lord over all, over everything. He no longer defines us but in Jesus' name today, I really believe that we can give fear a new identity. That particular day where we were having the meal, if I'm honest, it was a really nice room. And there was lots of plush food in the room. And it was a really comfortable environment and the views were spectacular from where we were. And we had to, though, at that point, leave a place that we felt comfortable. We realized this was not the seat for us to sit in. And we had to move to another seat. Fear will tell us that this is your seat, but the moment you leave the seat is the moment that we begin to sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. It was a moment we left the seat of comfort and it felt so good and we walked away from the seat 
And we sat in a new place, but it was our place. It was designated for us. It was designed for us. There was name tags for us. It was our room. We were meant to be in there. And I believe that for each and every one of us as children of God today, that God has a destiny and a destined seat for us in Jesus' name. As I said earlier, we don't live with the absence of fear. I don't want you to believe today or take on board that I'm saying that fear is, is something that is just not happening. Fear has affected us all over the last 18 months in some capacity. And if you tell me it's not affected you ever, I probably need to come and pinch your skin. We don't live with the absence of fear. Today we're talking about choosing to acknowledge someone greater than our fears. 2 Samuel 22, the man of God says this. He said, he rescued me from my powerful enemy. I know fear is powerful, church. But we know someone who has the upper hand on our fears. Anybody know what it's like to ever live with fear? I know you'll not want to put your hand up because you'll feel afraid to put your hand up. But I'm, I'm being as vulnerable as I can with you today. I know how it comes to our lives. I know what it feels like. I'm not living with the absence of it. I'm just choosing to acknowledge that God is the one that will rescue me from this powerful enemy. We have through Jesus the upper hand on fear. I said to God, in the way that I speak to God, and I hope you've got a way that you speak to God, I converse with him. I sit with his word and I converse with him and say, God, what are you saying? And, and I felt, how can I, how can I communicate to people today and just say, look, this is, let's, let's flip fear on its head. Let's turn this thing around. And I wrote fear in big letters on a piece of paper because it helped me because it tries to be the dominant force. And I felt like I spoke to the paper and I spoke to my letters and if you're in the room, you'd have probably thought the pastor really has lost it because <laughs> he's speaking to the paper. And I was like, you know, the letter F in fear. I turned to a scripture in 1 Peter 5, and I'd love it if you could turn to the scripture with me. If you've got a Bible, 1 Peter 5. If not, it'll be on the screen. I'm hoping that we're, today we're going to help to set some people free. We're going to help to move some seats. We're going to help each other to be honest with each other. But this is what it says, 1 Peter 5 verse 6. Listen to these words of the apostle speaking. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, here's the position. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. That he may, his promise to you is that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Be alert though and of sober mind because the enemy, the devil, we need to call him out for who he is. We need to call him out for who he is. The enemy, the devil. Not just the enemy or an evil force. No, we're calling him out. The enemy, the king, the father of lies. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. That is, that is so on point for today. That like you think it's just you, but the reality is 
People all over the globe are going through the same emotions, same feelings. And then it says this, verse 10, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while. Oh, can we, should we erase that little bit? After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you? This is God's promise for somebody today that is going to accept this is not my seat any longer. And I'm making a seat move. I'm making a change. And I'm saying that God, you have the upper hand. God's promise is this. He will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I looked at the fear and quickly just to say this, I looked at fear and I looked at the, le the letter F and as I read through the scriptures there and it says to humble yourself under God's mighty hand. I was like, God, this is it. This is how we move seat. We leave fear behind because God, the F is going to stand today, not for fear any longer. It's not going to dominate, but it stands for faith. Yeah. I'm going to humble myself under God's mighty hand. Yeah. You see, it's the key to God being over your fears is to humble yourself under his hand. It's called faith. It's everything that the Christian life is based around is our faith in Jesus. And today where fear seeks to dominate, we place ourselves under God's mighty hand. And we gain the upper hand. Fear is a powerful world, but with faith, we have the upper hand through Jesus. The mind is powerful, but truth feeds faith. And gives you the upper hand. I was like, it's so clear for me, God, to see it in 1 Peter 5 there and humble yourself under God's mighty hand that God, the faith, the F factor of that word that has sought to dominate us, the E factor of the word. I wrote down this word because it says in verse 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him. Some people in this room, we've heard it time and time and time again. Cast all your cares on him. The word to cast is actually to throw away recklessly. Exuberance. Faith and exuberance. I'm going to apply faith and exuberance to this disease called fear which seeks to rob me. I'm going to cast all my anxieties, recklessly throw away today, recklessly shake off today. Not just place at the feet of Jesus. No, he tells us to cast all your, to throw them to shake them off. We have to physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally throw off our fears. How do we do this? Ask yourself the question today, is my behavior based on fear or faith in Jesus? Is the way that I'm leading my, my life, uh, the way that I'm leading my marriage, the way that I'm leading my relationships, the way that I'm dealing with my finances, the way that I'm handling situations, is it based on faith or is it based on fear? Because if it's based on fear, then cast and throw off all your cares onto Jesus. You see, because exuberance is part of the DNA of this church. Exuberance is part of all that we do as a church. And when it comes to worship, we are spiritually and physically throwing our fears before God. We're lifting our hands, we're lifting our voices because we're throwing off, we're casting off everything that would seek to keep us in that seat. I don't know if it's just me, but I know this in during worship, I need to cast off, I need to throw away. 
I don't believe we're ever called to church to spectate. I don't believe we're ever called to be in worship and just to stand and say whether I like the song or whether I not like the song. All I know is this, in worship, we cast off all our cares. We lift our hands and say, I want to live under your mighty hand, O oh God. If fear is trying to rob you, it's about the applying of faith, the exuberance. Verse 8 says this, to be alert and of sober mind because the enemy is like. I want to tell you this today, not only our faith and our exuberance, but let's pay attention. Let's pay attention to the enemy's schemes. I know in church we probably say, let's pay no attention to the enemy. But the Bible clearly tells us to be alert and of sober mind because the enemy roars around making noise, consistently lying to cause you to stay in your seat. Oh, you'll never leave it behind. This is who you are. Stay, stay in your seat. You're a good for nothing. If people only knew. As I sat in my seat a few weeks ago, I felt the enemy speak to me really clearly. And I was singing the songs in my mind of this is not the end. The enemy is saying to me, listen, I've got your days numbered. You just sit where you are. I've got your days numbered. I left the seat. Faith took me to a new seat. My exuberance took me to a new seat. My attention was the enemy. You're not calling me back to that place. And it all came through the letter R, which is this. Faith, exuberance, attention, but ultimately it's about revelation. Today you want to be free from fear. I believe today is a day of revelation. A day of revelation. This is what it says, verse 9 and 10. I'll repeat it again. I know I've read it and my time's up. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to desire. Not here. Not here. Not me. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Here's the revelation. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself, if the last 25 minutes you've not listened to a word I've said, I pray, Holy Spirit, in this moment right now, you'd speak to some lives where fear has sought to have the upper hand. In Jesus' name right now, as I speak these words, I pray faith would rise. I pray exuberance to worship you, to cast off. We pay attention to the enemy, but Lord God, this word settled in me that you would restore, that you would restore. He himself will restore you and make you strong. I did my little Bible, you know, do a little study. Whenever the Bible uses the word restore, he uses the word restore, not just to get it back to its normal settings, but the Bible only uses the word restore to make it better than its previous settings. As you get up out of that seat today, as you leave behind fear and whatever fear may say to you and with faith, exuberance, paying attention but with a revelation of who God is in your life that he is the name above every other name I believe this today today is going to begin the restoration work of your life
Today, enemy, the restoration work of my life has begun. And I'm coming back better, bigger, and stronger than I was before. You thought you would keep me in the seat, but today is a new day. Brilliant. Thank you for engaging with us today. What an incredible message that was. Just remember, if you want to know anything else about who we are, where we are, what we do, head over to that website, www.lifehousechurch.co.uk or on our social media platforms at Lifehouse12. Thanks, be blessed, and we'll see you again soon.